Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, my name's Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Podcast. Tile has introduced new versions of the Tile Pro, Tile Mate, Tile Slim and Tile Sticker, tweaking the designs and boosting the range on some of its devices. Despite the ingress of Apple and Samsung into the competitive Bluetooth tracker space over the last 12 months, Tile reports that it's seen a 70% growth in sales over the last 8 months as its finding lost devices gets sharply pulled into focus. Pocket Chris Hall joins me to tell me more about the announcement. Meanwhile, I recently spoke to Sonos about embracing Dolby Atmos, how it's growing its audience with partnerships like IKEA and others, and what's in store for the company's speaker range in the future. And finally, Pocalint's Britta O'Boyle joins me to talk about the Apple Watch Series 7. I've been using it for the past week and she's keen to find out how I've got on. Keep listening to find out. But first, back to you, Chris. Tell us more about these Tile announcements. So Tile has made quite a big announcement. They have updated all of the products in their lineup. And if you remember, there are four different models. So there's Tile Pro, the Tile Mate, the Tile Slim, and the Tile Sticker. And each of these offers the same basic functionality. It's a Bluetooth tracker that will enable you to find your devices using your phone. But with four different styles means there are different applications and different price points for all of these different models. The the Pro and the Mate are perhaps the most conventional because they are I mean, the Mate is very similar to the previous version of it. It's a squarish kind of tag that you can connect to your your keys or your luggage or whatever. But the Tile Pro has now changed size and shape slightly. So it's it's shaped more like a key fob. Tile said that having a new shape that's slightly slimmer but longer fits better on keychains and goes into your pocket more easily. Um, Whether that minor change really makes a difference, we don't know. But certainly it looks better than it did before. I think the sticker and the slim are interesting because these are completely different form factors. The slim is credit card sized and can just slip into your wallet, while the sticker it literally is like a sticker. It's probably the size of a couple of pound coins with an ad- ad- adhesive on the back of it so that you can literally stick it to your skateboard or the saddle of your bike or anywhere that you like so that you can keep track of something without having a uh, a tag flapping around somewhere else. Um, while they've made those those changes, there are a few technical things that have also changed. The ranges of the range of the pro remains the same as it was, which is you know on the top side of a hundred meters range, which is uh, some considerable distance and far in excess of of what rivals in this segment are offering. But the the mate, the sticker, and the slim have all extended their range to about seventy six meters, and we've been out and test this, pacing out the uh, the range right. and and making sure that these alarms actually go off, and and they do seem to work over that range. So you do get some substantial range here. The thing that's missing at the moment, obviously, is the ultra wideband side of it. As you'll remember, yeah. AirTag and uh, Samsung both have uh, products on the market that support ultra wideband for that close distance finding and tiles say that that feature is going to be coming in a new product called tile ultra in 2022 
Now, Tile have been around for quite some time and have been sort of just slowly, you know, making and refining and, and, and getting these things to be as, as good as they are. Is this year more excitement, do you think, of the stuff that they've launched? Are you excited by it? Or is it kind of like, well, just that's where I was expecting it and they could have done more? Well, I think they've they've really doubled down on the products that they offer. They have refined them slightly, so the the alarms are now louder, and those ranges, as we said, are slightly longer. The actual experience of using the devices is very much similar to to how they were before. Um, the The interesting thing that seems to have changed, though, is that having new entrants in the market seems to have stirred the whole thing up and made it all more exciting. Um, and and Tyler is saying that they're actually seeing growth rather than. You know, Apple and Samsung detracting from from attracting from 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 them growing their customer base. So that probably means that we are set to see more Bluetooth trackers in the future. Certainly, more use and and more excitement in this area. There is one feature that they've added, which is sort of completely new, and that is that there is now a printed QR code on the rear of some of their trackers. And this means that if you're not a Tile user and you find a Tile, you can scan it, and that mm. will send an alert through to the person who's lost it so they will know where it has been located. You have the option then to also provide your contact details, very much like uh, Apple's offering where it uses NFC and you can scan their AirTag and uh, get that kind of information. So very obviously competing with that service, but it's a useful addition. Now, one of the final questions I have about sustainability, one of the criticisms that Tile had at the beginning was that you weren't able to replace any of the batteries. I know they'd started to do that. Is that the case even with the, the thing like the Tile Slim credit card one? Uh, the Tile Slim and the, the, well, in this new range, the Tile Slim, the Tile Sticker and the Tile Mate don't have rechangeable batteries. Um, but those batteries, the batteries that they do have will last for three years. So... They're not as sustainable as, for example, the Tile Pro, which will let you just open the cover, change the battery. Um, but with three years of life, there is a, a pretty good lifespan with them anyway. Are these available now and they're going to cost you know, the earth? Uh, they are available now and you can expect to pay between 20 and 30 pounds, depending on which model you choose. Still to come, Britta and I talk Apple Watch Series 7. They've made that 70% brighter, um, which again, doesn't sound like it's, it's a bit weird but it is noticeably brighter so you can when you haven't flicked your wrist you can you know you can still see the time you can still read it so it's more akin to an actual watch sonos has been in the multi-room music space for a long time but with more companies keen to offer consumers that experience numerous music platforms available to stream from and plenty of ways to not only connect our phones to speakers but also control them via voice how does the company keep up Following the launch of the company's latest speaker, the Sonos Beam 2, I chatted to Jeff Deririan, Director of Product Creation at Sonos. I wanted to find out more from him about what the company thinks of Dolby Atmos, to its partnerships with IKEA, and what's potentially in store for the future. I started by asking him whether he believed Sonos was still living the philosophy of taking away the barriers to get music as quickly as you can. Absolutely. Simplicity is, is one of the foundational pillars. And and the, the founders, I think, described it uh, exactly right. And it's been continuing since then, not just with music, but really, really in everything we do. This is about, you know, how do we ensure that uh, setup is simple? How do we ensure that on a home theater product, your connectivity is simple? Um, you don't have to you know, dig around for extra remotes. It just works, right? So this is, this is really paramount. And it, it actually, in that, you know, foundation of simplicity, it forces us to really make a lot of 
hard decisions because it's always that trade-off of, you know, do we give, you know, more connectivity to the consumer or keep it simple and, and, and do what we think is right there. So absolutely. Now, since you guys have been around and it's, it's quite a long time now, other technologies have come along like AirPlay to Alexa, Chromecast, PlayFi, you know, the name, the name seems to go on and on and they all offer kind of this multi-room audio experience. So how does, how does Sonos keep its edge and remain competitive or unique within that space? Uh, this is this is what what we do, right? So so at, from the beginning, this is what we've been focused on, and I think it's that uh, extreme focus and attention to detail, and, and like we talked about, focus on simplicity and delivering a premium experience that allows us to um, delight our customers and, and keep them coming back. Um, you know, we, we we live this, you know, day in day out, and 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 we you know not only uh, you know love the products we make, but you know it. We, we you know, are delighted when you know people can can use them in their homes and enjoy that that multi-room sound so um, I think it's that focus right we we you know know exactly where we want to, to to play here and this is in you know bringing sound and uh, the sound experience uh, to to customers lives and homes and and really filling that out in every um, every aspect of their life here so um, so I think it's that focus and 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 when we focus on the experience um, and really doing what's right for the customer and delivering that value, um, we think that that comes through. And you know, I think our customers think that as well. And so do you see yourself, when Sonos first started, it was very much a, a platform because you had to create you had to create the interface as well as the speaker to begin That's with right. because there wasn't, right. there wasn't anything else out there doing that. Yes. As time's moved on, obviously there's lots of other services that's come through, as we've said. Do you still see yourself as a platform or do you now see yourself more as a speaker company working to other people's platforms? Well, well, the magic of Sonos really comes in in that it's a system, right? So it is that platform that makes it special, right? It's the way each of the speakers work together, um, the way you can have multi-room sound and do that in a simplistic way. Uh, and, and, and as you mentioned, when Sonos first came out, there was no, there was no um, iPhone, right? There was no you know, uh, you know, mobile device to control the system. So we've adapted over time to make sure that we can both leverage what our customers have come to find as easy from a control paradigm. But the way the system works is that it's built on this platform. Um, it gets better over time with software updates. Uh, it allows our customers to start maybe with one product and then expand to, to additional ones over time. Um, I, love, I love that story from not only the perspective of kind of growth in, in, in a person's home from adding more rooms of music, but from, a, from a, the perspective of sustainability. And you can have a product that can live and you can, when you upgrade to a new product, perhaps you can move that to another room and it'll still you know, work. Uh, as you're getting that system better and better over time with sound. So uh, definitely uh, still a platform. And we think about that constantly. And, and on, on that front, in more recent years, the, the cadence of, of, of the upgrade cycle has kind of sort of sped up across, across the industry and across other, uh, other parts you know, within industries. And you know, people recycling, you know, upgrading their TVs more often, and obviously the phones now you know, every year and things like that. You're starting to see more, it used to be very much a case of you know, you'd buy a, a Sonos speaker, and then you'd have uh, the software, and the software would constantly update, which was constantly making to that point. That obviously comes to a point at some uh, some part in the story where you you have to go up and upgrade the speaker. And obviously, we've seen just the launch of the new second generation Beam and things like that. Is that something you're seeing a trend now? Of is this suddenly the technologies and 
because you're playing to other people's platforms as well, the technology is forcing you to have to think about upgrading more frequently. That, that's a good question. I don't know that it's necessarily external factors like that that, that, are, that are forcing that upgrade cycle. Um, I think it's more our own ambitions to make sure that we're always you know, keeping, a, a, keeping a fresh portfolio and expanding our portfolio in order to you know, d- deliver on uh, the right mix of, of products in each of our categories. So, so I think you, you're definitely correct. We, we have certainly uh, increased the cadence in, in terms of um, both kind of refresh as well as you know, all new products. And we're definitely still committed to, to launching at least two new products each year. Uh, and that's been a real, real focus for us. But I think where we're a little bit different is that you know we're not we're not looking to just update a product um, you know with maybe you know a color change or, or a slight you know feature variant. We're really looking in each new product introduction, whether it's a new version of an existing product like like you mentioned with the, the new new generation of Beam, uh, or an all new product like we just launched with with Rome. Uh, we're looking to provide the most value possible. You know, we're still we're still um, a relatively you know a uh, small company when it comes to, to to as compared to big tech. So we have to be really intentional about our choices of where we invest, and we're looking to provide the most value possible for each one of those products that we launch. So you're you're gonna look you're gonna look at each of these and say and say okay, I get why they did that. I get why there's some some extra value uh, in the product. And do you think that's perhaps one of the inherent, not necessarily an issue from from Sonos's perspective, but something that you're having to to fight in the background so to speak is this is certainly from older generations that you buy a speaker and that's it for life you know it's sort of i've got plenty of friends that are like oh yeah i inherited these from my father and you know these kind of right. things right. and and now we're not you know speakers are obviously a lot more intelligent than than they used to be and so is that part of the educational story that you have to tell that you know you things do move on and you have to you have to upgrade your speakers every so often Absolutely. I mean, these are these are speakers, you know, externally, but internally, they are advanced computing systems, right? They have, you know, uh, CPUs running in the memory, that's a fixed size uh, networking and Wi Fi radios, Bluetooth radios. And, and as you said, that the cadence of expansion of, you know, technology, uh, from a radio perspective, from, you know, how many features you can pack into something with the with the, the amount of memory that you planned to put in that, you know, years back, Needs to be well considered. So, uh, so yeah, there is a bit of education here, and it, and it is it is a bit of an adjustment for for folks. And you know, we do our best to plan for the future and make sure we have a, a long life for each of our products because we know that there's that tension. There's that tension between expectation of people saying, "Well, w- this is a speaker. Why why won't it last forever?" And the reality in that it's also you know a computer. And you know, we try to over deliver on. Uh, on on as compared to the rest of industry when it comes to tech, because we know that's really important for people and, and not only for their expectations, but also for, again, creating a, a sustainable world here to make sure we don't have products that la- end up in landfills. So. Now, one of the big stories at the moment is Dolby Atmos. And, uh, you know, there's obviously some one of your speakers, the, new, um, the ARC supports Dolby Atmos, the new Beam is, is, is adding that as well. How, how important is Dolby Atmos, do you think? I think Dolby Atmos is is part of you know part of the story here. So so again, we're, you know we're we're excited about Atmos. We're excited about the experience that it can deliver. But you know, with Arc, when we when we launched that product with Atmos, we we were by no means the the first product to have you know Dolby Atmos in it. This is something that you know we'll often do. We want we want to again make sure that when we do add a capability to a product, that the moment is right. It has the right not only experience. 
but the right adoption level. And, and that was really the trend, you know, that, that was, that was shifting when we started the development for ARC was that now we were hearing, okay, the streaming providers are starting to, you know, pick this up a little more and provide content, stream that to people's homes. Uh, it was definitely getting more common for that home mix. Um, so we felt that that trend was shifting uh, and there was going to be enough value for the customer to make the investment to, to, to decode that, um, to decode that signal from Dolby and then render it. But the rendering is, is the other half of this. And that's, that's equally important. And as we take the audio in, we then have to do something with it to make it a great experience. And that's where regardless of, of whether you actually receive a Dolby Atmos signal or not, that, that enhanced array technology is going gonna, is gonna to improve the sound experience, whether you have a you know, Dolby 5.1 signal uh, or even a stereo image, right? So, so the sound experience is uh, is what I think we're delivering to the customer mm-hmm. once we've now rent, you know, uh, decoded that Dolby Atmos signal. So important, um, but not the whole thing. And I suppose that's that. More specifically about the new product, that kind of the fact that it's it's virtual rather than physical. Does that is that part of that decision that it's it's important but not critical? It's part of it. It's part of it. I think. I think there's um, an expectation to 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 render the you know premium formats, and we want to make sure that we're delivering that experience. And the the immersion that you get out of out of receiving that Dolby Atmos signal and decoding it uh, does add value. It adds a lot of lot to the experience. Now, the challenge with with Beam uh, Gen Two was that we loved the form. Right. When we when we developed that product, we did a lot of research in order to get that form factor just right, because real estate in and around the television is is at a premium. And we knew that the trends were thinner panels, lower profile. Uh, we had to make sure something would fit in, in a smaller, uh, smaller form as well, because we knew that, you know, at the time we had Play Bar, which is which was larger. And and then Arc, of course, is going to fill, fill in uh, in that larger environment. So the challenge to the team was how do you keep the same form and in doing so maintain the same physical, you know, transducers, right? This physical speakers, but through the power of software and signal processing, uh, deliver on an enhanced audio experience and, and support Dolby Atmos. So this was really, again, these are little computers or, or, or pretty hefty computers sure. under the hood. Uh, so in, in that additional signal processing, we were able to get uh, an additional two dedicated arrays. So we completely re- redid the arraying. We now have five arrays uh, working in concert as opposed to three on the first generation beam. Two of those arrays dedicated to the surround and height experience. And and our team is is uh, really, really quite amazing. They were able to use psychoacoustic techniques in order to create and basically trick your mind into feeling like the sound is coming from above you and, and around you, uh, where again, you only have this one small sound bar in front of you. So Again, it was a challenge, and that's what our that's what our team likes to likes to deliver on. And that's kind of on the top end. And then, obviously, at the sort of the entry level, you've now got partnerships with IKEA, for example. Is that has that been a success from what you see it from your side of the picture? And do you think we'd see other collaborations going forward? From my from my perspective, absolutely, uh, absolutely, it's a big success. And you know, we're very happy when we can partner with uh, with companies that are like minded in terms of you know, uh, design philosophy and, uh, an approach to product, uh, product development. So it was definitely very interesting. I think we've learned a lot from them. They've learned a lot from us. And, and in this collaboration now, we, we've got our, our, our third product out, uh, most recently with the, 
you know, the, uh, the, the wall panel speaker and uh, being able to, you know, put some art in there and make it feel like, you, you know, you just got some art in the background and it's a speaker is, is unique and something that, something that I think a partnership with Ikea allows us to really open up and think differently about, about sound and, and the way it fits in and around the home. And we think about, and we, with that partnership, sound, not speakers, right? How do we think about sound in the room? Um, and, you know, maybe a pair of wall panels in the background could be surrounds for, for the home theater. So again, even with our I Ikea partnerships in the Symphonis line, it still works as a system. It still, you know, works on that platform to, to work with all your other Sonos products. So I think we're very happy and, and, and definitely uh, there'll be some more to come. And the final question I have is, is what's next? Well, that's a great question. And uh, <laughs> of course, I can't answer that, uh, answer <sighs> that directly. Uh, <laughs> but, but like I mentioned before, you know, we are committed to, uh, to those, uh, having those two moments where we can talk about some, some new products. So, um, you know, more to come certainly in the future. Apple Watch is much lauded as the smartwatch to own, but the Series 6 of yesteryear offered little reason to upgrade. Fortunately, 2021 Series 7 is a more sizable offering, quite literally delivering a bigger, brighter, and altogether brighter screen. However, other than the screen size increases, there's little else that's changed over previous years. Given the fast-paced world of technological advances, does the Apple Watch Series 7 do enough to impress, or should you if this year's model another miss. Well, I've been using the new Series 7 smartwatch for the last week, and Britta, who's also got one, has joined me to grill me on how I've been getting on. So over to you, Britt. Wow, what's new is my first question. What's different? So I think the big thing here is it's all about the screen. Um, and it really is about the screen. The screen's gone from uh, the same size, well, the start the evolution it's 50 percent bigger than the series three which is pretty popular i know a lot of people have got those or probably in the moment thinking well maybe now is the time to upgrade and it's 20 percent bigger than the series six and when i first put it on uh i suddenly thought you know what this doesn't really feel that much bigger um it was a bit underwhelmed by it and then a couple of days later i went back to check something on the series six as part of the review process and i was like Oh yeah, it is bigger. It is much bigger. Um, and, and so, and I think it's it, when we were doing some filming this week with Cam for uh, for Pocket Lint as well. It depends on the. He suddenly he looked at it and said, oh, "Same thing." And then we changed the one of the watch faces to be a bit more punchy, so it kind of stood out more. I think we turned it to like an orange background. Um, and he was like, "Oh, this screen, you know, this watch face, you can clearly see that it's bigger." Yes, I definitely think there are a couple of watch faces based on my experience with it that um, that do make quite a big difference. The contour one, I think, does because it puts it around the edge of the display a little bit more, which I think helps to enhance Yeah, it. and that's kind of, effectively, it's Apple's good old trick of, of <laughs> reducing the bezel, right? Yeah. Keeping the same form factor. So you suddenly, although it's got a, the screen size has gone up by a millimeter, which doesn't, in the grand scale of things, doesn't feel like that much. Um, but it's managed to do it by reducing the black border uh, the bezel around the edge of the watch so uh, they call it a refractive edge so you can at a certain corner you know certain glances you can just see the the curve coming through it's not a big enough curve for it suddenly to display tons more information it's not like a the curve screens on the some of the old samsung edges yeah, those phones yeah. um you're not suddenly going to get like you know emails written along that edge it's not it's not that impressive um but it's 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 kind of enough to to do that. The other thing about the screen, I mean, they really have just spent all the money and all the time and all the effort on the screen. Um, is that the when it's the Series Six introduced something called Always On. So 
in the first couple of seasons, season series of the Apple Watch, when it wasn't showing you the time, it was a black screen. Yeah. Uh, last year, they turned it to make it um, so it was always on. So it, it changes color. So if you've got like a, the moment I've got a bright blue face, I'm using the contour face, the new contour face. When that's not on, the bright, the bright blue disappears and it gets black, but I can still see the hands, the time yeah. hands to be able to tell the time. They've made that 70% brighter, um, which again, it doesn't sound like it's, it's a bit weird, but it is noticeably brighter. So you can, when you haven't flicked your wrist, you can, you know, you can still see the time, you can still read it. So yeah. it's more akin to an actual watch. Yeah, where I've noticed the screen is um, actually like the passcode and the control center. I find that the buttons seem slightly bigger. I mean, I think they are bigger too, but they seem it. Yeah, well. I think I think the official number from Apple is is between twelve and thirteen percent bigger. <laughs> um, I again, it's I use um, I use the it's very telling. I use the torch option, the flashlight option on the watch quite a lot because yeah. I normally end up staying up late working watching telly another episode of whatever on netflix um and so i kind of all the lights have gone off in my house by the time i come to go to bed and so i kind of you know swipe up on the control center fire up the the torch and then sort of stumble my way through the bedroom and stuff (laughs) without trying to wake any i I go for the red light as well just to give it that extra feeling (laughs) like i'm on some special commando mission or something um and you know that that button is is noticeably bigger and you know to punch and and if you not that i do but if you if you're really keen to use the calculator the buttons are bigger as well because you can you know it's a bigger screen yeah um the charging has also changed hasn't it or it's become a little bit faster for this series did you notice that it has but i didn't really notice it um apple claim it's 33 percent faster but it didn't side by side it didn't really feel any faster and and again i'm I haven't been one of these people that have suddenly taken to the Apple Watch. I've used the Apple Watch since the beginning, since the first one. Yeah. Um, and I've always just got into a habit of taking it off at bed because I don't like sleeping with a watch. Um, and and so I just put it on my charger on my bedside table anyway. And so it's kind of, I, I've it doesn't feel like I need it to be fast charged because it, it's still it's still a day, it's 18 hours of battery life, which you know, if you get up and you're quite active, by come bedtime you're you're needing to charge it anyway because yeah. you won't be able to. You know, if you get up at seven o'clock or whatever, and then you know early, and then you wear it, do some exercise during the day or whatever, you get through. You're not going to get to ten o'clock the next morning for you to have gone through your morning routine and then charged it. It will die at some point in the night. That's true. Although they have said that um, you can get. Uh, eight eight hours of sleep tracking in eight minutes with this one i believe was, uh... yeah but it's still it's still that thing of I, d- I don't know maybe it's me i've just not got into that routine of 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 Where getting ready for bed <laughs> and thinking right i'm gonna charge this up because then i'm gonna put this back on to to wear it you, know? you might do that though if the sleep tracking becomes a little bit more advanced because at the moment compared yeah. to other devices i think i don't don't think it offers really enough that would mean that you'd really want to sleep with it whereas no and it's that it's kind of i think this is the problem sometimes with a lot of sleep trackers is this sense of like i know i've had a bad night's sleep why are you telling me yeah (laughs) it's like with like garmin stuff it gives you like a body battery thing so you might do it because you might like to know how you whether you should exercise the next day um whereas apple watch doesn't do that yet i might do in the future but it doesn't at the moment so 
I, no, and I think that's one of the. Find out. <laughs> I think that's also one of the things where I, I interviewed the CEO of of Whoop, uh, which is a fitness tracker that kind of encourages you to rest rather than yeah. exercise. And one of the things that I've always found wearing the uh, Apple Watch, certainly with the introduction of the Rings, is that every day is is a new day, and it doesn't <laughs> matter whether you ran a marathon yesterday. It, you you've got today to you've, rings. <laughs> today you've got to close those rings and it kind of you know it's like hang on a minute yesterday i like i did loads i remember yeah. the time you know a couple of years ago when you and i did three peaks yeah and you kind of you know we've done 120 flights of stairs like in the last four hours or something yeah. stupid <laughs> and oh no it's midnight yeah do you know what I do it again tomorrow <laughs> the uh where the awards um things are in your activity app or in the fitness app they um my top one is still three peaks so i'm never going to beat that am i so basically yeah, I'm never so, gonna get that award again <laughs> you know so i think that's the that's the, sometimes the difficult thing with this that said you know as i say it's still an amazing watch right there's loads of sensors there's loads of you know they haven't added any new sensors this year it's all about that screen um <laughs> and so it's you know the, if you're going from the from an upgrade perspective if you're going from if you've got a six it's unless you're desperate to get that bigger screen it's it's definitely you know you've got a really good watch keep with it yeah uh, if you're going from the five there is very much along the lines of it's a very good watch but you now get always on um, but apart from that well, I thought. there's not that much more um and then uh, the four even then you still kind of think well maybe it's you know it, it starts getting if you're a three user and you've loved the watch and you think right I'm I'm gonna go in for this because it's a good investment. Yeah, the seven the seven makes a lot of sense. Yeah, agreed. I think for a three user, it's definitely a decent upgrade. Plus, you get that dust resistance as well now, don't you? So, at least you can take it to the beach without worrying too much. Properly <laughs> beach ready. The beach. <laughs> um, I've got one one question that I'd love to know your answer to. What is your favorite thing to do on the watch? What do you love most about it? Uh, I think my daily driver is I use it to pay for a lot of things. Yes, agreed. I totally agree. That's exactly um, what so I, I there's two things I I use. I'm going to go with paying because certainly during uh, it's meant I've you know I'm almost ditched my wallet because I don't necessarily need it now. Yeah. Um, but it's nice and it's certainly been nice during uh, during the last eighteen months where we were worried about touching things initially. Um, you know, not being just sort of getting the, your hand out and just sort of putting it across the counter and paying for things uh, from a digital perspective has been has been really nice. Yeah. Um, and also because it's 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 most places it's limitless. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really helpful. Um, the other thing I use it for a lot, which is quite a boring thing, but I use a Mac and I've got oh, it set up so uh, I don't have to type my password. So I sit down. Look, you know, tap the screen, you know, tap the keyboard, and the the watch kicks in and it opens up. Um, so that's been really good. And then just it's silly, it's silly invisible things. It's it's also wearing a mask outside, um, you know, and still being able to look at your iPhone and the phone unlock even though you've got a mask on has again been a real game changer. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip pip. 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.